All right, gang. It's episode 75. We're 75 and we're alive. And on this episode, we've got Julian Frazier, soon to be Dr. Julian Frazier. So get used to saying that. I know I am. Um, he'll have his PhD in counseling psychology in the summer of next year. And we're pumped for him on that. You know, last time he was on the episode, he was gearing up for the NEPC regionals. He's a former D1 track and field athlete as well. And that translated pretty well into parkour speed competitions. But unfortunately, in the regional qualifier here in Denver, he suffered a pretty massive injury. And so you guys will kind of hear the story on that on today's episode and just get caught up with Julian. But luckily for us and luckily for him, he has other awesome things happening in his life. And one of those things, which basically takes up the full rest of the episode is the book that he just wrote. So he's just completed a book that um, kind of dives into five pillars of fitness, uh, the way that he sees a complete perspective on fitness and you know, just what these five pillars mean, how you can strengthen them, what they mean, how they fit into, you know, this concept of fitness. So it was really fun. You know, we didn't know exactly where it'd go, but that was, um, it just seems so meaty to, to dive into the book and he's already started writing a sequel to it. So we're excited for that. Um, I'm sure we'll have to have him come promote it again once, you know, we get a chance to, once, once it gets published and things. So Thank you very much for being a part of this one, guys. And thank you very much, Julian, for sharing some of the sneak peek preview of this book that, you're, that you've um, written and, and all the great insights that you have on this stuff. Um, if you haven't listened to the episode before, you can also dive into that. Again, Julian's you know, obviously really well-read with psychology, and he's just uh, got a passion for existentialism and philosophy too so we kind of share that and i i enjoy talking with him every time so you guys should check out the other episode and and here we here we go on this one um enjoy live or not live we're privately live privately live privately live we live in the live we're living alive we're living that live <laughs> there life. we go in the present right here um thanks for coming on thanks for having thanks me for repeating as a guest oh and, yeah uh, time has passed yeah, it's stories have changed. Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah. Before, before we, well, last time you were here, obviously you were gearing up for the regional competition. Absolutely. And that ended anticlimactically. <laughs> I don't know about anticlimactically. Okay, that's true. That's true. But it was definitely not what you probably envisioned as the climax. Right. I think it it became the beginning of a completely different story. Mm. Um, so you know, you know, the best stories like start off a certain way and then like take a complete left turn yeah that was that was kind of that was kind of <laughs> the scenario there yeah well mm -hmm. for those who don't know what happened would you regale us with oh boy gotta revisit my trauma um <laughs> all right so i was on home turf apex denver was you know pretty hyped up kind of a competitive guy um was ready to throw down um in the speed competition and you know the first round went pretty well um and I think I was in I think I was in second place behind my boy Seth, who is the real real. We gotta have him on here too. <laughs> Please do, because because mm -hmm. if he's stuck with it, he's gonna be like ridiculous. Yeah, um, insane. So my brain's thinking, okay, how am I gonna beat this kid? He's absolutely ridiculous at what we're doing, and they put this ascension into. The course, which is like you have to climb up this thing, and there's no like real intuitive way of doing it. 
Um, and so my brain says like I watch Seth and I watch like some of the other guys go up there and they just scale this wall as though they were like running vertically but horizontally. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like they they went they went up this thing so quickly that in my brain it says I I have to do something crazy to make this work. <laughs> and so my solution to that like it is with many things is to just cannonball myself at a thing uh with enough velocity that i somehow get through it um and and what that turned into was a like a very fast very impactful um just like a one foot off the wall straight up to grab a rung and it was probably one of the highest that's in the gym Mm. which means you have to go at it 100 percent um, and I was practicing it beforehand, hit it about four or five times, and it was like 50 50. Mm. Like one time I'd do the wall run, I'd get the rung. The next time I'd miss it. And my brain's thinking, I just need to drill this down. If I do it twice in a row, then I'm calling it. But I couldn't get it twice in a row. And so one time I came at it with too much speed. I think I leaned back a little bit. So I put my, my hip in a weird position. Um, and then when I hit the wall, not even coming back down, but just hitting the wall with enough impact on the wall run that um, my I just destroy. I broke my hip, which is the best way to put it. Um, and I kind of collapsed on the ground. And uh, you know, some injuries it, it didn't really hurt. Some injuries you don't really know where you're at. You kind of get up and walk it off. But this was one where I kind of stood up and tried to jog it off and took a step and put my weight on my right leg and collapsed again. And that's when you're kind of like, okay, this is a little different. Yeah. Oh man. <laughs> yeah. So, um, I ended up still kind of running the event. I think in my brain, I was thinking, you know, I, I don't, I don't know if I've had an injury like this. Uh, it could be a while before I get to do something like this. So I kind of, I ran the whole thing on just my left leg to just, to finish out and then I just like went outside and just like bawled mm. from like it was a short ball but it was like <laughs> I got to get this out because it was it was just so much you know energy at that moment and you know went back in and had a fun time but um yeah went up to the went up to the hospital two days better two days later when it wasn't getting any better did some x-rays found out that I had blown out my hip uh hips don't lie Shakira says so that was that. I've had surgery. I had, a, had surgery a week after kind of getting x-rays and has, have been on kind of the road to recovery. But uh, I think my kind of competitive high-level parkour days are a little bit over. <laughs> um, you know, you, ne- you never know what you'll do for fun. Uh, but that's kind of where we're at right now. So yeah. canceled. Plans changed. Mm. And... Uh, Found a different, found a different route, found a different path. Well, yeah, it was. I mean, I remember seeing the first of all the left. That was the climax when you ran it on your just left leg a little bit, even though, like, I'm sure it was a hard moment for you, but it was like one of the coolest things I'd seen actually. Just the fact hmm. that you were like willing to get up and get back on it, even though, yeah, just like as a. I don't know. Even if it's just like a fuck you to like the injury, I just like, <laughs> all right, well, I'm still finishing this competition. Cause I, I'm here to, that was like what I was going to do is compete. Right. And so I commend you for that. Cause, um, you know, it's, it's, 
it's not what everyone maybe should or would do, but it was just like you could tell like it meant something to you. So that was inspiring. Right. Well, I, and and there was part of me that wanted to see if I could run it legitimately, <laughs> right? Cause, yeah, with one leg. Well, with both legs, because oh, yeah. you you think you know you get this mentality, especially having been a relatively high level athlete at one point, they just kind of like play through the play, pay, play through the pain, excuse me. Yeah. Or you just kind of push it, and I didn't really know what the nature of the mm -hmm. the incident was but every time that i was collapsing it was because uh you know the the head of my leg was literally coming out of the socket of the joint oh like it God. was just yeah. dislocating over and over again um so recognizing that it was actually kind of not possible for me to i was thinking well what, what do i do now like do you do you just kind of quit and say you know i'm done um but i spent the next month not being able to move like on crutches. And so I'm glad that I did that because uh, I, I kind of knew that I wouldn't be able to after that. You know, you have a little bit of adrenaline still going. Yeah, it's adrenaline like, still going. Right, you gotta it's, take advantage it's of it. It's loose enough that right. I can still move around. <laughs> right. It's, it's like, about to tighten up mm -hmm. quick. Yeah. I'm, and I'm not going to make it worse since I've broken it. Like yeah. <laughs> right. So, damn. Um, yeah. It's those. How did that uh, change the trajectory? Like, obviously, you know, it changed it, like you said. Yeah. Well, I, I had a lot of plans for the summer in terms of, you know, traveling for competitions. Um, and in my mind, I had already had the idea that, you know, this might be the last time that I go all in for the circuit for competing in anything, really. Mm -hmm. Because once, you know, the summer wrapped up, then my residency would start and, um, I would start getting, going towards the you know, path of licensure for psychology, and um, and it was a scenario where I would probably not be able to train at that level uh, consistently enough to compete again. Uh, so I had a whole summer kind of planned out around going all in on parkour because it was probably gonna be the last time that I could do it. Mm -hmm. And suddenly I had a lot of free time. And suddenly I was spending 12 weeks on crutches. and. Uh, it was the thing where, you know, a choose your own adventure moment, it was one of those. Mm. It's like, I had a plan and now I don't. So what am I gonna do with all this time? And what am I gonna do with being functionally disabled for X amount of time? So uh, I'm thankful and lucky in some ways that I did have kind of psychology and I did have a different passion that I could pour my time and energy into mm. and kind of get started and get a head start on a lot of the projects that I've, that I was willingly putting on the back shelf so that I can compete in parkour. Um, and then, yeah, just shifting mindset a little bit because if I didn't have that, then I think it probably would have been really depressing. Yeah, no, no doubt. Um, good idea to have some backup passions <laughs> or like yeah. multiple pa passions. Right. Yeah, Things so, can so push that if one of these tent poles gets knocked out, your whole circus doesn't come crashing down. Absolutely, that's a good way of putting it. <laughs> <laughs> but, well, that's great, man. And let's talk about some of those maybe. Like, obviously, I, I, I've just been catching up just like, you know, the least effort way with just reading Instagram. But, sure, sure, yeah. But, um, you know, it sound, you said you wrote a book and you've been doing some other good, cool things. Like, I'm very curious what the book's about. Yeah. And where you're going with that for sure so the the book is kind of one in a series of steps because you can't just come up with a cool thing you have to like write a book about it and have blog posts and and have an instagram and you have to do all these things to promote it yeah so 
the first book was I actually started writing when I was uh, as a way of procrastinating writing my dissertation because mm. in my brain I went if I have to write this dissertation and do this thing which I really don't want to do then I should be willing to put equal time into doing something that I really do want to do mm. so the f- first book right now kind of tentatively titled is like the, the fitness journey and that was kind of a hashtag at the time so mm-hmm. I thought I figured it was trendy but it kind of looks at defining f- fitness a little bit differently and then kind of defining what the components or pillars of fitness are. And so there's a lot of uh, books and frameworks which which dive into those different components, but I kind of go about defining it a little bit differently, which makes it a little bit more realistic, a little bit less fitness industry mm-hmm. based and a little bit more based in what I feel like is a sustainable lifestyle. And uh, Can you describe like what's missing maybe from the fitness industry or what did you how did you change it like, sure. in a way? So for this book and the way I set it up is kind of going back to what the definition of fitness is in the first place. Mm. Because people think, you know, you talk about fitness, they think about sports, they think about working out, they think about doing all these active things, right? And that's, that's the first thing that comes to mind because that's how it's branded. But, you know, the, the original idea of fitness was actually coined around the Darwinian era when they're talking about survival of the fittest, mm. right? And I think the thing that people miss nowadays is that what makes a human being most fit is not that we're the strongest animal or that we're the fastest animal or that we could, could fly or breathe in the water. Like we, do, we are like, <laughs> like pathetic compared to the top 10 of all those categories of, in the actual animal kingdom. What made us most fit was that we had a three pound supercomputer in our brain was that we had, or that was our brain, right? Mm-hmm. Um, was that we were able to form these really complex social networks and had strength in numbers and could form tribe and could, and could work as a unit at a very high level. That's something that no other animal could do. So I, I take it a step back and say, what are all the, the things that actually make us fit and use those to define fitness as opposed to who can do the most number of flips mm-hmm. or who can swim across the English channel. Like all these things that they say, well, that's fitness. And it's like, mm-hmm. uh, well, maybe, but not really. That's not what's giving us the advantage. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. That's what, what are some of these other things? Like you said, social, like, com- or, um, cooperation right. is one of them. It sounds like. Yeah. So the, the five pillars that I, that I talk about in the book, and each one of its own is its own chapter, mm. um, is physical health, okay. because you know, health is really important. You got a body; it's kind of the vehicle that you use to pilot through life. If your vehicle's engine light is on, then you, you know you're, you're not living as as high quality life as you could, right? Yeah. The next one is mental fitness, right? Is how to use your mind, which is your biggest advantage, to gain that advantage. Because mm. just because you have it doesn't mean that you're actually using it optimally. So we look at mental fitness as a component of that. Social connection is a huge one, um, that we were a social species built out of tribe, and that's just baked into our DNA. Mm-hmm. Um, and so if you're not leveraging your ability to form connections, if you're not forming tribe and a community towards a, a shared purpose or goal, that that's some of the place where you could be missing out. Um, and the last two are meaningful work. You know, human beings have, um, they've always had to work. You know, our ancestors had to hunt and gather. Right, and they had to do all these sorts of things. But the idea of a job 
is kind of recent. It's kind of new. It's kind of post-industrial age, mm-hmm. right? So we've always had work and we've always had ways of finding meaning in our work. It doesn't mean we've always had employment or a job or, or um, some sort of subservience to a system, right? That's mm-hmm. a little bit new. We're still navigating that. And then the last one is what I call spiritual fortitude, is mm-hmm. the fact that human beings... can think so abstractly that we can imagine things like our own death and we can flirt with all of these unknown ideas, places where we can't rationally go. And because we can't rationalize them, we have to have other ways of coping with them. So our relationship with the unknown is also an important part of our ability to thrive. So those are the kind of the five pillars is, you know, the physical health, uh, mental fitness, social connection, meaningful work, spiritual fortitude that I kind of bring in and continue to define them by this kind of um, new age or reorigin of of fitness itself. And that was the that's the first book and I'm currently working on the second cuz uh, you go to the you go to the uh, the agents there's cuz there's no you, there's always these middlemen mm-hmm. um, between writing a book and publishing it. You go to the agents and you'd be like, "Well, I wrote this book." And they say, who are you? <laughs> you're like, Fair question. Yeah. yeah that, uh, and I'm like, do you have like 10,000 Instagram followers? And I'm like, nope. Uh, and then and they say, well, I'm almost a doctor. And they're like, mm, come back when you're a doctor. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> so um, working on those projects with the idea that there'll be some of the things that I can springboard um, once I've passed just a few more hurdles. Mm. So. That's awesome, man. That book sounds fascinating too. Do you mind if we dive into some of those pillars at all, or I don't want to reveal too much? Oh, but for I'm sure. I'm sure that like you couldn't. It's a whole book. Like the knowledge is in there, right? And it's not going to come out exactly through a podcast, but absolutely. Um, like physical health, obviously keeping your body physically fit and like joints and stuff strong is. Mm-hmm. I mean, a lot of people are pretty into that. That probably listen to this because they're parkour athletes or whatever. Right. That's how they found us. Is there anything like, I mean, I want to get into the other ones, like um, what I'm kind of leaning towards, but yeah, with physical health, is there anything that is just, you've found that is huge um, innovation? Well, you know, physical health is probably one area that people think about when it comes to fitness. It's a slice of the pie that we can't leave out of the definition of fitness, mm-hmm. right? It's there for a reason. I think one of the things that's most interesting is that you know, working out and uh, the physical aspect of it and nutrition are all things that are included, but there's still a lot that we don't know, especially like in the field of dietetics, feels like nutrition advice changes every five years. It's fucking infuriating. <laughs> it's like, right? I've like, I've literally heard everything, mm-hmm. exact opposite, like from people yep. I respect, I've heard like, don't eat this mm-hmm. and only eat the exact thing that they right. said not to. Yep. It's like, it's super hard to figure out what it is and it makes you kind of want to throw up your hands and be like, whatever. Yeah, absolutely. But it, I think there is at least a trend towards certain things. Like mm-hmm. we want to see more whole foods and stuff and we understand that vegetables are generally good. Although some people mm-hmm. are like on this all meat diet, you <laughs> right. that, the, cor- the carnivore, the carnivore diet. diet. And then there's like kind of a ketogenic there's diet, a ketogenic which is like a hyper low uh, carb diet. But yeah, I think, there's a lot of that low hanging fruit, like eat less yeah. processed crap, like mm-hmm. probably should have less sugar in your diet. The things that those are the that we're leaning into a little bit more. But outside of that, it's very difficult to come to a consensus. And knowing that what 
the recommendations are now are going to change in five years. Mm -hmm. And it's going to be a while until we really narrow that down. So I, I think that's those are some of the areas that we dive into a little bit more. Because even then, step one is knowing what you're supposed to eat. Like, what if you're eating, you think you're eating healthy and you don't even know? That's a two, huge problem. Yeah. Just awareness. It's crazy. Uh, but the second step is actually doing it. So, there's all the things that we know that you should do that people kind of don't get around to. Yeah. And that's kind of like the, why I start talking about the intention behavior gap is that everyone walks right up to the edge of intention. Uh, but there's this psychological landscape in between wanting to do something so bad and actually taking action towards it. So those are some of the things that we kind of start to add to that discussion, I feel, yeah. um, to try to get into more depth. But yeah, that's that's the that's fitness 101. That's fitness. Yeah, the diet stuff is, is fascinating. I'm like learning a lot about the gut biome is another yep. big, like popular, yep. well, and for good reason. It's like a, it's a fascinating territory that was becoming more and more there's, we're mining a oh, lot yeah. more information out of that and just understanding like, oh, like what this relationship with the microorganisms mm-hmm. that live within us actually does to our mental health too, which Absolutely. it really affects and there's other things. And, and then it even ties in with this weird spiritual shit because you're like, <laughs> it, at least it does for me because you're, you start to understand like you have like a, you're, you are like an earth, yeah, like you're a like a little world inside a little of you. world in here and you, you're choosing like things to feed mm-hmm. these communities inside you. Yeah. And the communities are sending up little serotonin prayers to ask you what, <laughs> what foods to eat yeah, it's true. and you kind of respond to that. Yeah, it's true, man. And, and it's, yeah, it's wild. And they, you know, some other emerging fields are like nutrigenomics, like What's how, that? what you eat changes your gene expression. Oh my God. Right. So there's epigenetics, which talks about like how your environment impacts how your genes express themselves. Well, they're finding out that how, what you eat, different eating patterns uh, based off of your previous genetics, but also it's like an internal environment that that changes gene expression as well. So there, there are crazy rabbit holes that are just (laughs) now being dug into and that when it comes to uh, the depth of that information, it is really diluted when it comes to the recommendations of what people eat. And some of those recommendations are decades um, mm. out of date. Yeah. Yeah. My God. Because by the time it gets to print sometimes, or that's by the time, because they're waiting for people to become a doctor, oh, or, yeah. you know, they, they, there's this balance always between jumping through the right hoops and being in front of it and right. just being like, all right, I don't, I'm not going to go through the system. Oh, I'm yeah. just going to go circumvent the system, which <laughs> you're going to see more and more of. Like, I think these middlemen are disappearing. Mm-hmm. That's what the internet is, is trying to be. About. Trying That's to be. What... <laughs> yeah. And then there's a lot of the, like the dot gov kind of organizations, mm-hmm. which what are they based on their, their information, their recommendations off of? Well, they're not basing it off of mm. what's happening right now, what's developing right now. There's a lot of pushback. So by the time it gets to the point where, you know, legislators are deciding you know what what the regulations are it's already passed through so many middlemen that it's yeah. like a game of telephone you don't yeah. even know what they're going to come up with so and all of the, and some of these middlemen have a vested interest in right obviously mm-hmm. like well well hold on a second grains aren't good i'm a grain company you <laughs> know I'm like a, yeah uh-huh i make a lot shitload of grains and if i don't get to make them then there's oh, gonna yeah. be billions of dollars mm-hmm. trillions or i know i'm not i'm not super versed on it and i don't want to have that conversation no, exactly no, but you're it is 100 right yeah. yeah like there's no reason that we have dairy products 
Mm. Like some dairy products are great, but if we took dairy out of people's lives, it's not like everyone's going to be suddenly calcium deficient. Like that's not the case. Yeah. Right. <laughs> so big dairy, big farming, they have a vested interest in making sure that we uh, have a glass of milk with every meal. Well, how many people are going to do that? Yeah. Oh, and also more than half the people of the planet are at least a little bit lactose intolerant. So if there, yeah. if everyone has a little bit of intolerance to this thing <laughs> that you're pushing because an entire industry depends on it, yeah, uh, you know, there's, it's, it's questionable. It's very questionable. It's worth questioning. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. It's like, I mean, just the very fact that like milk was advertised yeah as milk that's you <laughs> just not it wasn't like a brand name it wasn't robinson's was, dairy it wasn't yeah that's a it wasn't great point. organic form it's like that's that should have raised suspicions yeah out of the gate it's just like why do they want us to drink milk i didn't think, like, I didn't think about that why it's is like, milk such a good why no, do they all get together to pop to pop, push milk at us wow that's a good that's a good point like i've never seen an advertisement like onions <laughs> yeah you should eat some more onions go out and have that oh that's it's funny. very strange but that is very it strange is, uh, it makes it worth worth questioning but ice cream is delicious so you know what if for as long as it's not poisonous for you do what you got to do but all i'm saying is that the recommendations have been filtered down to the point where they don't completely reflect um the science the the dietetic fields well, so that's what's, yeah that's sorry i was just gonna say that's that's kind of the level of depth that we try to go to with the kind of that physical health mm. chapter and then some of the stuff we talk about later but yeah that was like kind of the first pillar i don't know cool yeah that's a good pillar um on to the next one right if we can the mental health like obviously as a psychologist counseling psychologist and yeah. soon to be phd I'm sure you have a lot to say about it. Quite. Uh-huh. <laughs> Where do we begin? That's, I mean, that's kind of my bread and butter. But so there's this weird and it gets into this like philosophical level of like how much free will do we have? Oh, and yeah. can I even use my mind to make decisions? <laughs> Is everything determined? Like I and I start off by saying, you know, who really knows where like what's pulling the, the strings is it your environment is it your subconscious is it all of these abstract archetypes you, you never know but all i'm saying is that what if using your brain to direct your focus changes your trajectory by one percent and not just one percent now but it's a one percent that kind of compounds over time mm. so that it's one percent today and it's one percent tomorrow and it's one percent the next day and so on and so forth so that over the course of a year of just steering your attention and steering your focus towards a certain direction, you've gotten way closer than you've just been wandering randomly, mm-hmm. right? And so it doesn't matter if we have 100% free will, we just have to make sure that everything's not 100% determined. Mm-hmm. Even if by our conscious brain, we can only influence 1% of the equation, it's still worth doing over time. And yeah. so I go less into the mental health fold and kind of go into the mental fitness aspect because that's something that is applicable to everyone, I'd hope. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's just looking at how, what are the ways that we can find and harness that 1% um, advantage every day and in any direction. And I think that's really important. It's not, it's not like a new concept, but. Well, yeah, I know, but I love it. And it's, I find that to be true too, is like you're, you're probably only getting that 1%. Like that might be generous, but even if it was 0.1% over time, right. that's going to be a hockey stick right. curve that mm-hmm. goes like steers you into yeah. a much better place. Ideally something that becomes exponential. Yeah. Um, so I, I, I think that 
that is kind of the without going into too much depth into any one area of like what mental fitness could look like because because you're right i have a lot of opinions yeah I'm all, well i mean i do want to go into some depth I right mean, let's uh like how do, how would you start getting mentally fit or what, what do you how do you start to harness your your one percent so there's a lot of different ways that folks can cultivate their one percent um and i might actually talk about this less in like the mental fitness chapter of that book, but actually a little bit more in mm. like the the mind the gap book, which is the second one that I'm and writing. That's that the gap that you were talking about, right? Earlier. That intention Ooh. behavior gap. Yeah, I'm already hype on these two books. I'm I'm hype about them too. <laughs> I hope everyone likes them. Yeah, uh, when I write them, and I hope they get published because I don't control that. But um, so when you look at anyone and they want to make a decision. There's this lot of pressure around willpower. Like, no, you just, you just need to be more disciplined. Just have willpower. Just like, you want to not smoke? Just stop smoking. Cold, tur- cold turkey right now. Yeah. <laughs> um, and you see that in a lot of, you know, personal development, self-help gurus, right? Just make the decision. Just make just the decision. do it. Yeah. Shia LaBeouf. Yeah. I mean, I mean that is, that's Nike's slogan, right? Yeah. And... It's not as easy as just developing or having some kind of willpower. But there's another skill that you do have, which is really important, and that's your ability to focus your attention. Now, I am admittedly one of the countless people who has tried and failed to meditate over and over and over again. And, and yeah. Uh, hands up out there, people. Because <laughs> I'm busy and I have other things to do and uh, no yeah. one's good at it. So. Um, only, only a select f- few um, advanced human beings can <laughs> really <laughs> meditate consistently. Um, but it's the idea that I'm pointing my attention at one thing, and then when my mind wanders, I'm just going to bring it back to that thing. And for meditation, that's uh, your breathing or a mantra or the idea of nothingness. Y- you know, they they point at something that's kind of mundane, and then just practice for 10, 15, 30 minutes, bringing their attention back to that thing. And attention is so important because if we point ourselves at a goal and then our mind wanders over here and we don't know how to bring our mind back to that goal, then our attention becomes contingent. It becomes based off of the deterministic factors of our environment. So I think that's where people could get that 1%. And that's baked into to some activities in life. That's baked into sports, right? You, you have to be able to focus on what you're doing. That's baked into parkour, 100%. Mm. I can't be walking on a rail in a non-mindful state because I'm going to fall <laughs> off that rail. At least cross yourself eventually. <laughs> eventually, you got to cross yourself. And if you're at height, I hope your bails are good, right? Yeah. Um, in some ways, that happens in school. Right, because you're forced to sit an hour for things that sometimes you couldn't give a blank about, right? But you find yourself in these situations where you can cultivate attention, but for a lot of folks, that's not the case. And so one way that you could potentially hone that 1% is the intentional practice of training your attention so that when your mind wanders off, and it will, you're able to gently guide it back. And that doesn't necessarily have to be through meditation, but find something that you can do mindfully enough, that you enjoy enough that you're willing to do it, uh, and and practice that thing. 
hundred percent and practice multiple of those things going back to the first part of our conversation Mm -hmm. (laughs) yeah i if you if you have zero things because a lot of people are starting with zero yeah they're just chickens with their head comes off running around uh not really knowing they'll dabble in this dabble in that dabble in that you know and but no not really make progress in anything then i'd say start with one thing and then once you get some efficacy some mastery efficacy in that one thing, but then you say, oh, I can, I can learn one thing. I can keep my mind on one thing. Maybe I can keep my mind on another thing. And then you go to that second thing, right? And then that yeah. snowballs too. Yeah. So once you kind of gain that skill, it's something that translates very well. The, uh, the habit of attention is very important. Couldn't agree more. Do you think that there's any... Um, I think it gets a little bit fascinating that Nike has that message of just do it. That's all about willpower. Mm-hmm. And maybe there's like, because so many people are at that stage where they're just thinking like, oh, it's willpower. I'll just fucking. Yeah. And even though it's maybe mm-hmm. not the best tool or it's not the, it's not the only tool that they should have. That's one of the reasons why that brand is message capitalizes on that message so well. Right. Um, do you think there's another and this is kind of a tangent, but do you sure. think there's any companies out there that kind of represent this, this level of, or this tool or bringing that attention into it, you know, because hmm. I think it's fascinating, like what some of these companies represent yeah. ultimately. It, it's hard as a company because you're, you kind of benefit when people make impulsive that's that unattentive mindless decisions around things right uh you kind of benefit from building that mindless brand loyalty to a thing and have people not really consider it too much Mm -hmm. i mean you also benefit from people having mindful decisions about the kinds of things that they consume but it's really difficult as a company to build your brand it's a around long term strategy <laughs> it's a very long term strategy probably not profitable <laughs> yeah because you're yeah because like you said it's most think most companies are based on like let's let's get you to buy something right. that you probably don't need mm-hmm. so i could like, probably almost certainly don't need but like maybe right. probably don't even want if you really thought about Abs- it yeah absolutely. you probably don't need <laughs> probably don't want but in this moment i just want to do it i just want to buy this thing right yeah. now right so there's that like that double edged sword to the message I can probably easier think of people mm. with companies than I can the companies themselves. And yeah, so, yeah. So I can think of like Aubrey Marcus. I was gonna say like podcasters, and not to jerk myself <laughs> off or anything, but like I think that is like one of the re- things that yeah, Aubrey Marcus is someone well, we both follow. Who, if you're not gonna jerk yourself off, who's gonna do it? I mean, gonna be, yeah. that's true. This is this this is jerking myself yeah. sometimes. Good. It's a little too uh, masturbatory yeah. sometimes though. Yeah. When I do the solo blast. You gotta accept it. It's literally called solo blast when I do a solo episode. <laughs> oh, it is. Why did I call it that? God damn it. Anyhow, but sorry, continue. But yeah, yeah Aubrey Marcus does have a, a message that is. Mm-hmm. Okay, let's let's get more intentional. Let's get more right. of our attention under control. Let's become better. I mean, his company's total human optimization. Absolutely. But then I wouldn't think of onit.com necessarily as that thing that symbolizes it. It's mm-hmm. like a supplement company. They're good supplements, but yeah. they're still trying to get me to buy a thing for 10% <laughs> off. Yeah. So um, that's hard. That's difficult. That's a different level of like ethical corporate responsibility that we'll see if uh, if capitalism ever gets there. Yeah, we'll see. Yeah, it could be it's forced upon them eventually. You know, this is the trend. We don't know what the future will hold, but absolutely, it's but definitely changing the game, like to have this kind of access and reach. 
everyone's kind of like a mini celebrity if they want to be now mm. and therefore there's like a lot of it's it's still very noisy but there's going to be a shift i think and just like how mm. things fundamentally operate when you don't need to have someone sell your products right in the same way well it, it's hard to forecast and there's some futurists that will imagine what the outcome will be uh and then i i try to bring it back to I don't know if I can influence the future to that dynamic and extent, but who knows? I might have that 1% today. 1%. That's a good, yeah, that's a good place to, that's always a better place to start than way too far ahead. Right. That'll, that'll overwhelm you. It certainly overwhelmed me at times. 100%. Um, or 1%. 1%. Yeah. I'd say 100%. Like, that's one of my favorite sayings. Yeah. Switching it. We're maybe. switching it up. We're switching it up. 1%. People bro. are going to be confused. They're going to be like, what do you mean 1%? We're about to be like, listen to the 1% yes. episode. You're about it's to not about the wealthy. On this 1%. It's about that. It's about that, <laughs> that amount of tension that you probably mm-hmm. have control over that if you master. Right. Um, becomes a huge piece of, of your life. Of who you could who become. You could be. Self-actualization. <laughs> well, and that's like to get meta on it real quick. You know, you're like, what is that? You know, what this trend of people really getting into self-actualization and human optimization is kind of a new idea in and of itself. And mm-hmm. maybe it is more trendy than it is the future, like mm. we think. You know, but it's just like any of these futurist ideas. It's like I think we kind of have a, a belief that. You know what when we turn on all these epigenetics and we turn mm-hmm. express more genes as humans like right. we're interested in what humans are really capable of beyond right. you know just what we're doing now yeah i i have opinions on that too do you have i don't Tell know me an opinion i don't know which which yeah that was, holes that, was, that are worth going down I'm, well let's uh let's just pick one okay what are, what's a what's a rabbit hole well the, the rabbit hole that I could have an opinion on is kind of that humanistic idea, hmm. which kind of harkens to Maslow's hierarchy of needs and Carl Rogers, some of like the OG humanists, hmm. which is that, to use an analogy, humans are kind of like a seed, you know, and that seed will stay dormant as a seed until it has the necessary components to grow. And when those components are met, when those preconditions are met and has water and sunlight and some soil with mm. some nutrients, it can't help but to grow. The seed doesn't mm. make a conscious decision to like, mm. I'm going to sprout now. <laughs> like, no, sometimes the seed finds itself in the crack of a sidewalk in the middle of a city and it just happens to have enough of what it needs to sprout up right there. Yeah. Right. So it doesn't decide where, what it environment is, but if those prerequisites are met, it's going to grow. And they kind of take some of those same ideas, uh, to the human experience that, you know, humans have an innate desire for development and for growth. There's this thing pushing us forward. Yeah. It doesn't matter what it's pushing us forward towards or the environment that we're in when, when it's pushed. Sometimes we're in terrible environments. We end up pushing terrible things like drugs. <laughs> um, I thought pushing drugs, there was a pun there. Yeah. But the idea is that if you gave someone love and compassion and a social environment that is rewarding and you gave them the food and shelter their base needs on that hierarchy of mm-hmm. of needs that our natural propensity is to grow towards some actualized self yeah. so, so we're not just a reflection of an ideology or something that's stuck in survival mode but 
we get to express our individual uh, essence on the planet, I guess. And so that's kind of the humanistic idea that that there is something in everyone that is waiting for the right conditions to sprout up. I just hope that you sprout up in like a nice cozy field and not like a sidewalk. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's, I like that analogy. I mean, I definitely like the, yeah, I think life is in plant life and human life or there's a lot of fun parallels to draw there because mm-hmm. that's just an analogy that kind of makes sense. Because, yeah, 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 totally. Cause some people end up getting planted in like an indoor space mm-hmm. watered by someone else. Hopefully like they're put on a windowsill so they get some sunlight. <laughs> and then when their roots spread, they figure out they're in a pot and they can't get their roots that deep, right? Yeah. And then, uh, so, you know, there's a, lot, there's a lot of analogies. That's a, yeah, that's that's I could, tough. <laughs> could pull. But, uh, so that's kind of the humanistic perspective. And now you see that there's a lot of fitness, fitness based, you know, corporations and human optimization that's trying to, you know, promote those sorts of things. Yeah. Um, and, and I think it's just kind of a reflection of like a human reality that we have the opportunity to pursue those, um, those ventures in higher quantities than at any point in human history. Mm. Totally. Yeah. No, I love that, that analogy because the, the conditions are really important. Like there's, mm-hmm. they're more important. Like, yeah, you might be in the pot or you might be in the crack in the sidewalk right. and, there's a pretty big limit there unless something and yeah, we're more complex than a seed. Absolutely. Potentially. So yeah. we might be able to mm-hmm. uproot and plant ourselves mm-hmm. somewhere else. Yeah, Glad you said that. Um, and that's a good thing, mm-hmm. but it still makes it difficult if you have to do that. If you're born in the rainforest or right. whatever born, but like if you're just planted in the rainforest, <laughs> you might just have a lot of nutrients yeah. and then you can grow as tall as you need to from ground zero. 100% and, or 1%. 1%. And 1%. <laughs> and, and the thing is, is that human beings are also way more adaptable than plants. Yeah. So sometimes I feel like folks are adaptable to a fault that we find ourselves in toxic environments or toxic relationships that we adapt to. And mm-hmm. we're so flexible with our ability to adapt to different environments that we end ourselves planted in uh, environments that aren't meant for us. Yeah. But are kind of stuck there because we're not willing to move. Um, so there's, there's some resistance there too. And talk about resistance and resilience as being two sides of the same coin, but, um, yeah, mental fitness, mental fitness, babies. <laughs> yeah. That's oh, important. Um, yeah, I'm fascinated with that kind of stuff. Personally, I think that, you know, I've discovered limiting beliefs in myself that I'm like, it's, it's a lot of work to try to change them, but I just am curious to see what the results will be. Right. You know, you're like, Oh, if I can actually steer that 1%. Because mm-hmm. like for me, sometimes that's what the 1% with mental fitness is about is just like catching those thoughts. Like my, you know, the thing and just examining them yeah. and being like, that's not, no. And bringing it back to, okay, this is where I'm going again, like you're saying. Mm-hmm. But no, we I, are, I agree. I couldn't programmed ourselves <laughs> for, you know, I spent 27 years or whatever yeah. doing a different style of thinking. <laughs> have, have we programmed ourselves who, or who or has someone else or something else programmed us? Ooh. Is it big brother? Big brother. They, they watching? Well, it was the 1%, you know, mm-hmm. maybe it was the 1% that we, we carried with us. It's a windy 1%. Yeah. So, so social connection, yeah. meaningful work, spiritual fortitude, which, which one is most, let's see, which here. calls to you. 
I'm gonna let's uh, let's hit the. It's a tough social cho- connection. It's a tough choice. It's, 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 it's a tough choice to make. Yeah, social connection is easy because I feel like it's already a part of everyone's lives, mm. and we kind of recognize that you know family or um, tribe or these things are really important. Um, and then I also think that <clears throat> there's aspects that we could all get better on, which because there's like there's a skill, there's a finesse, there's are there are more sophisticated ways of communication and those sorts of things. Yeah, yeah. Um, which which I feel as though we almost have to learn, given our circumstances, given the fact that we have been sectioned off and like put into our own rooms and our own territories. Um, and aren't giving the opportunity to find tribe easily. They talk about Dunbar's number, which is like the estimated amount of humans, which we were like, that our brain can kind of handle, Yeah. which if we took a whole normal curve is probably about like 50 to 250 people. Mm-hmm. And then we take those same brains and we dump them into a city with a hundred thousand people. Um, and then just kind of see what happens when you'll pass way more than Dunbar's numbers worth of people just on the way to work. And so the human brain wasn't really cooked in a place where we were used to seeing strangers literally every day. And so that's a that's kind of a new event for us as well, as having to cope with the fact that I am surrounded by other humans. Because if, if you were a tribesman 10,000 years ago, you knew everyone in your tribe, you know, everyone in your band. Mm. And if you saw a human that wasn't strange, like, it, or that wasn't, that was a stranger, like that was someone else from a different tribe somewhere, like, like you would be really suspicious of that person, wouldn't yeah. you, right? You'd be very curious. You, you need to know. Yeah, you need to know. It's like if <laughs> aliens like popped up tomorrow, yeah. we wouldn't be like, oh, what's up aliens? No, we'd be like, what's up with those aliens, <laughs> right? And that's, that's kind of the same kind of it's baked into the human nature that like that person is not from my tribe yeah right? that's in the brain so we're we have a really interesting experiment going on where we took the human brain and the, the human uh, nature and plucked it out of nature and put it into this artificial thing yeah and then said like good luck <laughs> so um, and it's not like it's going to go backwards there's no situation where we're going to like section off into tribes and spread out again yeah. that's not going to happen yeah. So now we have to kind of learn a bunch of new skills and a bunch of new ways, techniques to cope, right? And we have to figure out how to relate to one another in a scenario which our nature isn't 100% equipped for. Uh, And so that's kind of where the rabbit hole that the social connection route goes down uh, is if, if relationships are hard, it's because we're in a social environment which is completely removed from the way that our social brain was wired and now we're compensating for it. Mm. Yeah, that's fascinating. The the way that social media has played into it too. Mm-hmm. It's like the way that we're trying to find tribe, like yeah. even through a medium like podcasting or something like this, it's like we, you know, it's great to have an audience, but it, the connection is not the yeah. same kind of connection you would have with your tribe. Right. You know, whatever, 10,000 years ago, it's, it's that's face to face. This is, through digital media and it, and it makes me wonder like you know as that darwinian perspective mm-hmm. we now selecting for people that are just adapting to i think we i mean without question we are selecting yeah. for people that are adapting to Absolutely. the technology 100 percent. and what's that doing because it's 
one percent. It's that one percent. Yeah. And um, but there still exists a bunch of people that you know don't have the same. There still exists many people mm-hmm. that have very very different lifestyles than what we're doing here in America or in Colorado or Denver. Right. And then uh, as I lament some of those things, number one, the that all the research that they've done based off of this observation, this massive observational study, which is uh, social media, uh, they're kind of inconclusive. Sometimes mm-hmm. they say it's bad, sometimes they say it's good. So science isn't giving us a whole lot of great clues about whether that's good or bad for us. Mm-hmm. But even lamenting that, it's not gonna somehow go backwards. No. This this is like a this is a forward thing. We're we're on this train. <laughs> so oh yeah yeah you, yeah. There's no mm-hmm. there's no turning around. Yeah. So you kind of have to say, given that this is probably my reality, what's what's kind of the best way to cope? How do I still find try? How do I still connect? Mm-hmm. Maybe that is with social media. Yeah. Right? If, yeah. If, if you get and I you know that's awesome if that's if that's your thing. Yeah. Or but, if it mm-hmm. isn't. Yeah. Either way. Right. And it's a it's a tool, and you know, like all the other tools we've had in the past, like you got to figure out a good way to use it. But um, yeah, that that one, even as someone who wants to be a psychologist, still something I'm wrapping my head around. Mm-hmm. Still something that I don't really have a good answer for. So just learn the skills, like <laughs> do what you have to do. Know that it's important, and cope the best you can. Because times they are changing. Oh, they're changing so fast. Yeah, the communication. Can you touch on that a little bit more with like what kind of communication styles you think are necessary now that we're moving towards this direction and mm. in, in this unstoppable, unreversing right. steam engine? Man, for for some reason, my brain went straight to the differences between cultures and the differences between languages even. So I've been working at the Refugee Wellness Center where... I have the privilege of being one of the first people that that people see, one of the first Americans mm-hmm. that folks that are refugees, asylees, parolees from different countries come to America. I do one of their mental health screenings and I use a translator uh, who's in the room with me who speaks both English and the language, the native language of this other person. First of all, I've learned so many different languages <laughs> that I didn't know exist, oh, yeah. uh, existed. I've actually discovered countries that I didn't know were countries. And, and, and that's a very humbling experience when you're like, where's Eritrea? Like, where's this place? And like, what? it's like, it's on, the, it's on the Horn of Africa, bro. Like, where's your geog- <laughs> geography? Um, but in those moments, there is this kind of elegant dance that goes on because I get to watch the person say something and they have expression and they have movement and there's a body language. But then there is a lag in between the translator hearing it, turning to me and saying that same thing in English. Mm-hmm. And they're not saying it word for word because some words don't exist the exact same way, but they're, tr- they're trying to, but they are trying to pass it through this filter and then hand it to me in a way that I understand so that I can do the same thing. So have you ever seen a video where the audio and the video were kind of off. Yeah. Where you like saw them do a thing and then like you heard it and it just felt weird. Like it kind of feels like that, but yeah. in the room in a therapeutic scenario where I'm supposed to be 
talking and uh, to this person about their mental health mm-hmm. and screening for those things. And so you're super intentional about every word that you say, because there's a lot of psychological jargon that I could use that is difficult to translate. There are a lot of like turns of phrases that I could use that that don't quite make sense in someone else's culture. That makes sense for me because I take them for granted, but don't exactly have that it's the same meaning for someone else. And so you really have to slow down and process and say, what is the most effective way that I can put the words that I have together, knowing that they're going to be translated to speak to this other person effectively so that we can somehow bridge the gap between us, the cultural gap, a language gap. And I think we take for granted the fact that even in the United States, there's differences in those cultures. Um, there's differences in cultures in the United States, depending on where you're born in the world and all these political backgrounds and all these religious backgrounds. It's a diverse place. And we take for granted because we're all speaking English. Um, and I, I might have actually touched on this in, a, in the, mm-hmm. the last podcast almost a little bit, but uh, it's the idea that there are more effective ways of communicating, and those are sometimes thrown aside so that we can just spit out what we want to say as quickly as we can say it. Um, I think a lot of turmoil between relationships, between groups of people, um, between different ideologies could be entirely avoided if we could find a way to bridge that gap. Um, So I give some examples of things that we kind of use that is kind of effective in psychology, but that is a high level of sophistication. There's a very elegant thing happening and kind of recognizing that any transaction between two people is a transaction of energy that goes beyond the language, beyond the culture, um, might give us an opportunity to just slow down enough to think of, you know, what is the most effective way that I could have them understand exactly what I'm trying to say? That was a rant. I'm sorry. No, that was, I went off. That was not a rant. That was powerful stuff. I think that's, exactly spot on honestly that's been something i've been trying to introduce more into my life is careful selection of words Mm -hmm. and careful intention with what am i trying to say why am i trying to say it because i think that there's maybe a place for it still Mm -hmm. to just like have fun and shoot the shit whatever yeah um i don't know if that's something we're wanting to give up as like humans right there's still a place for small talk yeah yeah and well, and in humor, I would say maybe mm, even like mm-hmm. there's something about being able to just say whatever you want. Mm-hmm. The freedom to be able to bleh, <laughs> is, is, is that's that's the cost mm-hmm. of being really serious and intentional. I think with yeah. with your words is you're if you're going to think carefully about what you say, yeah. you're not going to be able to like improv a joke. Right. Or it's a different tool. It's a different mm-hmm. side of, of communication. And that could probably be reserved for somebody who really knows you well mm-hmm. or like, but when you're trying to bridge a gap, right. I totally agree that it's the more, the slower you go, the better and more smooth the communication will be. Right. And I've, I've read that and I've keep, I've told people about this and I'm sure you've probably read the Marshall Rosenberg's nonviolent communication. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's like, as far as I can tell the, the starter kit to like start exploring, <laughs> starter kit, yeah. to exploring like how to do some of these things better. Right. Yeah. If you, if you have a, if you have an important conversation, absolutely. You know, if you're trying to accomplish something important. Mm-hmm. 
No, I'm 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 right there with you. And and there's that level of familiarity which you like have inside jokes and those sorts of things. Mm-hmm. But then there's also a certain level of intimacy or closeness that you have with a person where you begin to take things for granted again. Mm-hmm. <laughs> when you like live with someone or you're in a relationship where you just kind of assume that they should kind of know what you're saying and how you're saying it or or know what you want or yeah. they should you should know me well enough that you intuitively just kind of like like experience what I want and should just generate <laughs> right um, and so so there's this ebb and flow where where you don't know someone at all and you're trying to bridge that gap but you're you know someone so well that you that you have to go back to some of those same skills to be able to communicate effectively so I yeah there, there's a lot of potential layers to it but that's kind of the the big part of, of social connection is recognizing that there is that layer of depth that that kind of need to attend to. That's yeah, not that's definitely that's gonna, yeah. the deficit of most people, I would say, including, yeah, especially me. <laughs> like, I'm pretty comfortable when I'm comfortable to, like, be the whatever right. kind of style of language and, and intuit, intuiting. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, where I'm working more is, and what I would 100% agree is yeah. just depth yeah how to be my my authentic self but still communicate in a way that the other person understands me uh because i'm i I will also agree that if i'm being 100 percent myself i'm like loud and opinionated (laughs) and like i'm not surprised when i hear through the grapevine that like someone doesn't kind of like me based off of just kind of seeing me around and i'm like yeah i kind of get that like i'm loud and sometimes obnoxious and and I get that. But if they sat down with me, I know that we would find some common ground. So that doesn't bother me too much because I'm like, you know what? But they would like me if they knew me. You know? <laughs> so I don't know. That's that was a little bit of my own narcissism that has that confidence. That, yeah, but, well, yeah. I mean, narcissism is a tricky word because yeah. there's a certain amount that's necessary yeah, I think to they, okay. forge your own life. Yeah. Um, yeah, you just and said it, a deep thing. Ooh. I think you did. Well, I can you say that again for me? Actually, I said there's a certain amount of narcissism that's required wow. to forge your own life. Ooh, I I actually don't want to explain that one. I just want people to think about it. Think about <laughs> it. Just think about just it. Just think about when it. Um, <sighs> moving on. Yeah. In which direction, my friend? Moving on to the fourth pillar. Right. Because mm-hmm. we might as well just cover them all. We've gotten this far. Okay. Um, we'll leave the spiritual one for last because that's probably the that's the unknown. That's the unknown. That'll be the most mm-hmm. unknown right. of the five. It's <laughs> mysterious. It's <laughs> building suspense. And yeah. uh, let's get into, sorry, what was the, what are we missing? Meaningful, Meaningful work. Work. Oh, mm-hmm. of course. This is a really important one. I feel for, like it is. Um, do you I, think yeah I could keep go sorry. ahead no what you're saying I was gonna say I was gonna say like is this something that is this kind of like maybe goes in, in hand with that narcissism sometimes hmm. with with meaningful work it's like well I don't know we'll, yeah. maybe we'll circle back to it but I'm just um, when you're trying to find out who you are or right. what you like it's 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 sort of a balance to that social mm-hmm. connection right meaningful work to you is i don't know i want to get your opinion on it I'm, I'm, 
Yeah, yeah, and and I can I can riff on this one. I mean, we already chatted about how like work is just an intrinsic part of the human experience mm-hmm. that every human ever has had to work in one way or another. Um, and that jobs and those sorts of things are new. So try, trying to take it back to those roots, if we can, of finding work that is meaningful. And a, and a part of that is perhaps that like egoistic expression of self through work. Mm-hmm. Like I am really good at X, Y, Z thing and I can do it in such a way that I can make a living and provide for others and those sorts of things. And then, you know, based off of certain cultures, part of that is also the ability to, to give back to community mm-hmm. that that's, it's less about myself and more about this really a deeply ingrained desire to give back to others. And so, so I think there's, there's two sides of a coin there in terms of, you know, the psychology of work. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the, the meaningful paradigm of work. And I, I, leave the word meaningful there because you can't just do any work it has to have some purpose you have to feel like it's tied into something that uh is more than just a means to an end yeah you know what i mean because a lot of people you do end up having to do some things that you don't feel are meaningful or that you don't feel are significant but you got to put food on the table and you got to pay rent at the end of the month and a lot of us find ourselves in those those places but when you find a vocation that you can pursue that's really meaningful for you then to a degree as long as it's meeting your basic needs you don't care how much you make mm-hmm. um and i would always prefer to make more than less but <laughs> <laughs> but yeah finding ways of making those things significant sometimes the meaningful thing is doesn't matter what i'm doing i'm feeding my family that's significant survival is significant yeah. right if that's all you have so i i think uh really looking at the role that work plays in our lives because I think in a capitalistic society, well, I'm sure you could find ways of any society that work can become kind of toxic or corrupted, but um, maybe a focus on on other things like money has kind of taken away um, the primacy of meaning and purpose. I think that's the story I just heard from um, a TED talk I just watched of some hmm. guy who's saying that exact kind of like that this is our generation is what we're trying to do is we've realized that that like the generations that came before us were chasing the money hmm. and the mm-hmm. and the prestige and status right and now that we've kind of mined that and realized that's not actually good we're mining this meaning and purpose in our in what in terms of what how we define success as a generation right and and that's you know, his theory was, I don't remember his name, sorry, but that's fine. That that's like when you, when you talk about giving back to community, that, that, that is what we're looking for. And that's actually why there's so much struggle for like millennials or whatever is because mm. there's so few industries set up maybe that are providing that meaningful type of work. Right. Right. But well, I mean, and that, that to me sounds like, you know, but then make an industry. I don't know, but <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but that's not. It's, it's, yeah. it's not that it's a, an excuse. It's just it's. It might be a reason that it is like more difficult for you know why people think that's the the me generation and people are actually like super self absorbed mm-hmm. with millennials. It's it might. He, his insight was that it's not exactly that we're self absorbed. It's that we're we're trying to find meaningful work mm-hmm. and 
and through that complaining or whatever maybe that people perceive is complaining it's it's actually a it's a protest to the the status quo yeah it's a it's like a it's a rebellion mm -hmm. you know and i think i would agree with the ted talk speaker mostly and agree with you now <laughs> uh, <laughs> we'll find you guy <laughs> we'll google you I'll, I'll find him and put him in the show notes put him in that show note uh-huh um that you know, to a degree that this generation is able to reap the benefits of the previous generation, which was able to create the platform for us to move mm -hmm. forward, you know. Um, but we're still in a scenario where, you know, if you go through the traditional schooling system in the West, you go through those high school years, and then, you know, if you have a certain amount of resource, then you go to college. And then as your brain starts really turning on, you realize that every step up until this point has been determined for you by a, by a system with good intentions, right? Education's a great thing. And also, you don't have a lot of opportunity to practice autonomy in the world yet. Mm -hmm. So if you do want to do something meaningful, you either have to kind of enmesh your identity with something to the degree that your contribution to a company or your contribution to an organization is like really meaningful or a, a cause, right, is really meaningful to you, or you have to make it yourself. Hmm. And so I think that's why we're also seeing, um, you know, the number of entrepreneurs that we're seeing, yeah. um, that that is, that is a growing trend. Uh, that people are trying to look for what is what is the path because path A I, isn't going to work for me. Um, path B of you know kind of just throwing my lot in with some organization or some cause is it doesn't really fit with me. That's not really authentic. So I'm just going to have to make something myself. Um, and it's not easy to make something yourself. And the system allows for that level of freedom. But you have to do a lot of internal work. You have to focus on yourself. You have to be the one to be your own IT company or, or <laughs> your own IT service when you're trying to set up the video and audio for your podcast, right? Mm -hmm. Because otherwise it costs a lot of money to do that. Yeah. <laughs> and so that looks selfish on the surface. Yeah. yeah. That's kind of what I was pointing to with mm -hmm. like the meaningful work and the narcissist like theme in it. It's right. just like it's it does require a lot of energy to, mm -hmm. to forge that path, path, take a trail and split into a new, new, uh, offshoot and fork yeah. the road. Um, it's yeah. certainly like that internal work and, and stuff is where you, I think have to do the most. Right. It's, it's, it's actually, I think a lot easier to, to make these moves and things when you mm -hmm. have done those. Right. Because then you have kind of the license, the permission to be an individual. Yeah. And if you haven't done that work, it's a lot easier to kind of lean on other people's identity or the identity of a group mm -hmm. or the identity of a cause. But you have to do a little bit of that internal work to be able to lean on yourself sometimes. Yeah. Um, at least long enough to forge your own path in the world if that's what you want to do. Yeah. So I, I think that, I wish that the, the meaningful work area was a little bit deeper, but I think it's really just trying to recognize that what we do should have a purpose, a direction that is perhaps bigger than ourselves in some ways. Definitely. Um, and that's a, that's a big should. I try not to should too often, yeah. uh, but that's a recommendation that I, would, that I would make for some people. And maybe that should is, again, making sure my kids get into college. 
Mm. I got two kids. I got one in me. I'm getting both of them into college. <laughs> That's bigger than you. Counts. Yeah. Right. Um, so it, it's not talking about the scale or the perspective necessarily. Um, but that if you are doing something to a means to an end, it may be, it, I'm putting this out there, not mm-hmm. a bad idea to start looking at what the options are for doing something um, that is not merely an outcome, but is a part of a bigger process. I think that's the only way that a lot of these people become successful. Right. Because there's like almost something weird happening where if you make it bigger than yourself, then you mm-hmm. can tap into these bigger energies. Yeah, yeah. Whereas if you only focused on you, then you you run out of steam because you're like you're running on that willpower. You're running mm-hmm. on sheer... Um, like yeah, I, I th- I've certainly come up against it. I felt like I've made some selfish decisions in, in my life where I've been right. like, uh, that actually doesn't sustain. Mm-hmm. Um, so for me personally, I think it's a worthy recommendation. I'd, yeah. I'd, I'd put second behind that. I'd second it. <laughs> I'd second it. <laughs> no, and, I'm, and I'm being really, um, I'm not, it's not like I'm going out of an, on a limb with any of these. Yeah. With only these like, pillars, like they're yeah. they're obvious. Yeah. Right. We're just going but, to we're just trying to reframe them and put them into a depth that is easier to relate to, and that like tie into something other than like, yeah, you should just go get ripped and have abs and be the best you can be. Like that's that's a little bit surface levelly. So <laughs> so I I stick with with subjects that are intuitive, uh, but try to take them to a level of of depth that maybe they can grow some roots in people's thought process. All right, last pillar. Okay. Let's get it. Spiritual, Spiritual fortitude. Fortitude. So what? I'm curious, actually, what goes through your mind based off of just that name and kind of the, the mini summary synopsis that I had talked about earlier? Spiritual fortitude and a mini um, It's not a pop quiz. I'm just, I'm, I'm no, just, yeah, I'm actually curious. What's your word association? I think it's kind of based on like that fundamental, like when you preface the whole conversation, it's just like, listen, we kind of don't know anything. Like we're all just riding on like just conjecture. Yeah. So because that, because everything is basically based on this unknown principle, right. you have to cultivate or the spiritual fortitude is like the, the wrestling and grappling with that concept. Mm-hmm. And, and finding strategies that make you more effective yeah. and, and, and use that as fuel or use it as something to yeah. empower you. No, I, I'm, I'm glad that came through and I, I might have even spoiled it a little bit with the synopsis because <laughs> um, I, I would love to hear how that comes through because the word spiritualism and how uh, spirituality is kind of... Mm-hmm. Uh, it has so many different definitions in people's minds, yeah. um, in my mind even, that it can sometimes be a little bit vague. So I try to boil it down to finding that relationship with the unknown and having some sort of internal codex to be able to deconstruct the unknown and like make it something that you can work with. Mm-hmm. And for some people that is a more traditional religion something crazy happens, I have to imagine that it's like part of a bigger plan, right? Yeah. Someone knows the plan, it's not me. Mm-hmm. I'm just gonna, I'm just going to assume that this is cool. Um, 
people back in the Greek and Greco-Roman ages, like <laughs> lightning falls out of the sky. My brain doesn't know how to make sense of what I just saw. <laughs> so it has to be like Zeus. He has these like javelins and, that he throws. Mm-hmm. And like that's that's what I need to get through that. Right. And there's different levels of sophistication in which people can take that. And that can look like really it can look like philosophy. It can look like nihilism. Well, nothing matters. Yeah. This you know, it's all kind of for chance. Things are determined and um, there's actually no point to this. My, how I make sense of this is that it has no sense. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's like kind of an existential, like it has no sense. And also <laughs> because it has no sense, it is your responsibility to make sense of it. <laughs> so uh, people have crafted a number of different codexes mm-hmm. a number of different it feels like a coding language right yeah. it's how i make sense of all of this because there are far too many things which actually don't really make sense that are kind of paradoxical about how reality works mm-hmm. um that if we were waiting around until we answered those questions before we actually did anything we wouldn't get anywhere and so your brain does this consciously or does this unconsciously and I would rather you do it consciously than to do it unconsciously. So the, the analogy that I use in the book, I think, is imagine that you were on an island and you were born on that island and you've only been on that island. And all the people that you know have been on that island and everything that you see is just that island and there's just ocean. You don't know what's out there. Well, for whatever reason, Every once in a while, you just kind of like go for a go for a lap in the ocean, and you're leaving the known, and you go out into the unknown, and you always you always swim back, and you're like, oh, well, maybe if I made a boat, mm-hmm. you know, I could go a little bit further out, and I could explore the unknown. I always got to come back to the mm-hmm. to that mainland, right? <laughs> but some people can build their boats, and the boats are like yachts, and they're they're intellectually sound and they're rational, but they're mm-hmm. also uh, empathetic and compassionate Mm -hmm. right and and they could go out onto the ocean for a few days have a party come back yeah (laughs) a storm hits them they're going to be okay uh and then there's some people who like kind of throw some like logs together and (laughs) wraps them with twine and they paddle out into the into the unknown and it's spooky and scary because oh boy if that piece of twine falls apart then this whole boat goes and i have to find my way back to the mainland because if not i'm going to drown in this unknown yeah so and the way I put it is it doesn't necessarily matter exactly how you build that boat that you're going to use to paddle out into the unknown. You can use whatever materials you want. It does, it's not bound to one ideology, one, ide- one religion, one, uh, one train of thought necessarily. Mm-hmm. But you got to have that thing. And that thing's going to change. Every time you come back to shore, you're going to make some changes, right? But... Uh, the bigger boat that you have and the more sturdy it is, the further out you're going to be able to go. The more things you're going to be able to discover, the more things you're going to be able to bring back. So that's kind of... And the more people you can bring with you. And the more people you can bring with you, 100%. Which would be, you know, that's always a good... That's possibly Absolutely. a good thing. Yeah. And that ties back to you know, social connection, all those things. Mm-hmm. 
So or you could build an Iron Man suit to explore in the unknown. <laughs> or maybe you have both. I don't know. Or, or yeah, or like this is like this is just bomb. Maybe it's just S- for you. Submarine. You, you can get you can some go serious below the unknown depths. exploration, but <laughs> no one's gonna believe you when you come back. When you come back, you're gonna you're gonna, you're gonna be like, oh man, I took some shrooms, and that was that was my ship this evening. And mm-hmm. let me tell you, uh, there's five layers of dimensions, and they're gonna be like, okay, you need to slow down. I love uh, this analogy, though. For but, real, it's, it's perfect, I'd say. Well, I'm glad, because it's in a book now. <laughs> it's better be. This is a garbage analogy, and you should rewrite that chapter. Uh. <laughs> well, what do you, um, how do you, how do you, how do you build your ship? And what, do, you, do you actually, like, conceptualize it and think about it, like, giving it constant attention? When you go out to the unknown, are you like, all right, I'm going out to the unknown. Captain's log, like, fucking. And then when you come back, all right, what happened? You know, let's let's break it apart. Then let's update the ship. Mm-hmm. That's that's a great question. Um, philosophically, I'm kind of a. Um, I would identify with existentialism, and mm-hmm. that I recognize that when I do go out to sea, there's going to be some things I'm not prepared for, and there's going to be some things which don't quite make sense, and I'm going to see them, and I don't necessarily have to make sense of them right now. Uh, but I try to include enough things in the boat that if I have to face the unknown that I can kind of improvise. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I I don't know if I'm gonna need a thing, but I'm gonna bring it together, I'm gonna bring it along because I might have to MacGyver myself <laughs> uh, something when I'm faced with something that, which really just blows my mind and I don't have time to get back to shore to make sense out of. Get that escape hatch. <laughs> that, you got an escape pod an or whatever. escape pod or, or something or like, like a little safety like like boat yeah, on the another side. Dinghy. Yeah. Yeah. If my boat goes down, like I got another least, we got some backup boats. I can get I can get in my dinghy <laughs> with the little motor and like at least get back to dry yeah. land, right? Yeah. Um so I think the ship looks a little bit different every time I go out. One mm-hmm. time it's a motorboat, sometimes I might need a kayak, another time that I <laughs> I, I jump on a cruise ship, you know. Um and so I don't get too attached to the boat necessarily. Mm. Um you're browsing some boats before I, you make a purchase. Right. And, <laughs> and sometimes I'm like, I've never been on that boat before. Let's see what that boat's like. Yeah. And I'll go out into the unknown in that boat. I might not make it too far. Or I could just go, whoa, deep into that, into mm. that uh, quote unquote rabbit hole. Deep yeah. into the sea and I come back. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's less one boat and more mm. ex- giving myself an opportunity to explore a plethora of boats but to bring the things I need with me. That's an me. interesting strategy of itself because mm-hmm. maybe the storm that takes you out and then unknown one day. Yeah. Because you never know, right? The mm-hmm. future is unpredictable and right. part of what makes us so powerful as a species is adaptability. Yeah. Then then let's say the dinghy goes down the and you're floating on some out. driftwood in the unknown. But then <laughs> you float up on some other abandoned boat. Yeah. But now you know how to pilot this boat too because oh. you've been practicing. You've, you've, uh-huh. ex- you've familiarized yourself with many boats. Right. I don't know. I just like this this story we're building here. Yeah. I, but, <laughs> and, and we're in the middle of But to bring it Denver, back down Colorado, to, 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 to that boats. island and to the earth a little bit, what are, what are some strategies that you would employ um, for... You know, experimenting with different boats, it sounds like, but how is that, is that different philosophies or is that different practices? Mm. Is it, um, so I intentionally leave this chapter open-ended in terms of the suggestions. Mm. I encourage that people do find ways of navigating the unknown. And I encourage that people don't stay on dry land for too long. 
but I don't go about telling them how to build their boat because I feel like that's something, if I told you how to do it, then it wouldn't be yours. Mm. Uh, it, w- it would be some like knockoff version of, of mine, right? And yeah. it's, it's really important that your boat is yours. Um, that it's not, that it wasn't written down in some book for you to read. There's a lot of books out there. Mm. Um, that you just experience the water enough to know what's buoyant and what's not. Um, and at least had the courage to like splash around a bit in the unknown, <laughs> right? So I, I I don't go as far as giving people tips or tricks. Well, that's the unknown, right? So mm-hmm. that's, that's hopefully the beauty of it. Just, and then Yeah, you don't want to rob them of the ability to build the best boat that yeah. we can all look at and mm-hmm. jump on one day. Hopefully. By steering them into it. You know, whatever, yep. any kind of suggestion. I think that's fair. Yeah. So, yeah, I don't think that's my place, especially as a, as a psychologist, to tell people what boat they should build. But, um, yeah. And then the final chapter sums it all up that all the components are kind of, uh, should, should reflect some sort of authenticity. And I kind of talk about what I feel like that is. And uh, then the book's over. So if you're <laughs> listening to this, you don't actually have to read it when it comes out. <laughs> you can just... No, you do. Yes, you do. Okay. Reading's right. important. Your reading is good. Or uh, apparently. it is for, you know, where it's better retainment, I would say. If it comes out for an audio book, because I don't, I don't really read many books anymore. <laughs> Mostly. Yeah. yeah, I know. I listen to a lot of stuff. I'm actually... Sometimes I worry that, like, is the retaining... Is the ability to absorb and really digest the information I think it probably depends person to person I don't know mm. but is it diminished when you don't read it if you just listen to it well I, I would hope that as long as your attention is on what you're reading uh, that it's one way of learning yeah yeah as, well, yeah. I think so I think that's that's I think I'm lucky in that I think I can le- learn through auditory I'm not, right. I don't know that it's for everyone I'm gonna be honest though if they came out with a paper tomorrow in some scientific journal that said audible and audiobooks podcasts worst way to learn <laughs> I'd, I'd still listen to them yeah. and I still wouldn't <laughs> like, well it might be the best way it's yeah, a, it's, it's a, well there's a there's some people that would argue I think that because it's there's something magical to the spoken word but there's probably something magical to right. the it's Writing is, is certainly access as a different part of the mind because mm-hmm. it makes you more intentional. It slows you down. Yeah, it does. To, I, I find that often if it got published, it probably has been through a filter that maybe makes the information in it more valuable. Right. But you never know. With a podcast, sometimes you find something that is just as valuable, just yeah. as huge of a gem. So yeah, and and you get to hear it. You get to hear the intonation and the voice and the cadence, mm-hmm. and it. And when there's two people, it's conversational. So it's like you're eavesdropping on a, on a good convo. <laughs> um, so, because when you read a book, unless you know who the book is, like if Morgan Freeman read a book, wrote a book, I would read the book in Morgan Freeman's voice. <laughs> but most of the time, if you don't know the author, you're not familiar with it, you're just reading the words in your own voice. Yeah. And so that can be powerful when you hear something really insightful come in your own voice, then you can internalize that, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, and also, if you feel like yourself is just just your own running consciousness and you're not really tuned into that, then uh, it might be better to hear from someone else. So, so I don't know. Pros and cons. Um, when when uh, can we expect your doctorate to be official? I have to not get fired. 
between now <laughs> and July 31st, 2020. Then I will graduate in August. Godspeed, sir. I think you're going to be just fine. Thank you. So far, so good. But you never know. I might paddle a boat out there and slap a patient and then get oh. <laughs> Hey, you probably deserve it. Yeah. Uh, I would Man, you know, some days those patients just make you mad. You're just like, look, just get it together. Get no. your shit. <laughs> that's that's new, new form of psychology. Slap psychology. Just tell them to get together. Get a good slap. But no, I'm just kidding. It's, like, it's very precise yeah. slapping, though. Yeah. Yeah, it's you like you wind up like a, a, a predetermined amount of pounds mm-hmm. per inch, evidence based, you know, statistically. <laughs> like this is a significant slap. <laughs> You're gonna turn yeah. 45 degrees off center to the right buttocks. Oh, wow! To the bu- I was thinking of the face, but the buttocks, I mean, depends what like kind of ailment they have. Okay, that's true. That's true. <laughs> they might need it to the face, they might need, the they might need it to oh, boy. Uh, the wrist. Oh, I'm uh, well, you know. Unless I don't slap a client between now and then. So, yeah. Sweet, man. August 2020. Well, thank you uh, for being a part of this. I think that's probably as good a place as I need to wrap it. Wow. And well, thanks we're for... We're super... Yeah, yeah. yeah. Thanks. Thank, I mean, the information, you always bring a lot of insight. And so I really appreciate that. And everyone should be following you and reading your book when it comes out. Well, yeah. I, I don't think I've ever had a chance to talk about my book in long form before <laughs> so i'm glad you asked i'm glad you're willing to dive into it because it's like this is good practice like I, that's not what i came here thinking i was going to do and i really appreciate you being able to share your platform with it. sharing your boat with me this is the ss high drop gosh <laughs> SS high drop. i actually yes. have an episode titled that because <sighs> that's i have i like the boat i've always liked the boat thing oh man so yeah i'd love to and I'm that's what boat. this is about for sure this is hopefully my way of giving back in yeah. some ways is to offer an audience absolutely cool people that are doing cool and, things and if you're listening right now you're on the ss height drop with us and i think you should definitely like comment and subscribe or subscribe <laughs> hit the bell for notifications <laughs> leave a comment do whatever you got to do to keep this boat floating thank you so much for saying that all right thanks you guys for joining us and we love you peace out peace all righty gang that was it you heard it from the man himself the doctor prescribed that you subscribe to this fucking podcast all right so please do it please tell everyone because this is the ss high job we are trying to pimp this thing out let's make it a cruise ship all right people trying to stay afloat i'm trying to build a cruise ship i don't know that's like a fuck i don't know which song that is but it's from uh what's his name St. John. That guy's too, way too cool. All right. I love you guys. Thank you guys for being a part of this again. And yes, please do follow the links in the description if you want to support the podcast in any way, shape, or form. Sometimes it's super simple as just listening. Like you're already doing it. If you're, especially if you're this deep and you're still listening to just my stuff at the end of the episode, ooh, that's a lot. That's a lot that you're already giving us. If you're listening and then you decide to subscribe or you're already subscribed, you know what? I don't even know how to repay you for that, but I appreciate you guys. And then the people that leave five star reviews, they are going to high drop heaven. I don't know what the fuck to say. Like that helps us so much. So please leave reviews if you have the time and you feel uh, five stars about it. If you don't feel five stars, 
I don't know what you're doing at the end of the episode. You should have just turned it off. But I appreciate those five-star reviews. That's the only ones we need. <laughs> so no more. No, We don't even have any of the ones, actually. So we're really thankful for the people that have submitted the, the five-star reviews. Thank you, guys. Um, I'm sure soon enough we'll get big enough that we'll have haters. But right now we're pretty just tight crew of people that only show love. And that's the way things go. The bigger you get, the more attention you attract eventually you attract negative attention um so if we do get that one star review one day we'll know that we've made it you know what i'm saying all right just rambling now our next episode is going to be with Knox man my brother from another mother um the myrmidon himself you know or a myrmidon himself and um it was really fun hanging out with Knox. so Fuck yeah. Guys, look out for the next one. It's dropping soon. And again, YouTube is a thing. So please subscribe to the YouTube channel as well if you have the opportunity. And you like to see people in pretty granulated fashion speaking to each other rather than just listening. Um, One day, hopefully, we'll have a nice, just high-definition camera to record things. And even better than that, what I'd really like to do is get some reaction video. Um, being able to actually integrate picture in picture, get some serious, serious production value. So, because people are dropping crazy videos, Caveman 4 came out today. Are you fucking kidding me? I got to do a fucking expose just on Caveman 4. That video is so hot. Um, and Storms put out some fucking hot content like that. I just, I really wanted to shine some light on light work. Are you kidding me? Uh, all right. This was an extended outro hope you enjoyed that one we'll see you guys on the next one with Knox man